0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, again, thanks for being here today at the Grove Church. We're starting a brand new series today called Life Multiplied. I'm really looking forward to this, making the most of what you've been given. And I think this is going to be a great series kind of at the beginning of the new year, talking about different disciplines in our lives that are going to require sacrifice, they are going to require time, that are going to require energy, but I really believe it's going to be something amazing that happens in our hearts. And so there's going to be a variety of different topics we're going to go through. Next week, we're going to be talking about the devotional life. In the weeks to come, we're going to be talking about all different sorts of topics. Today, we're going to be specifically diving into this idea of dying and living. This idea of dying to yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're gonna be jumping in today. If you have a Bible, and I'm gonna encourage you, especially now that life groups are starting, I'm gonna encourage you to bring a Bible to church. Um, I'm gonna encourage you to bring a notepad. What's One of the cool things that we're doing now here at The Grove is every single Sunday, when you get that Connect card, there's a little handout in there for discussion questions for uh, and opportunities for you to take notes. I'm gonna encourage you to do that because uh, sometimes we forget, but paper never forgets. And so I wanna encourage you to do that as we're jumping in to a brand new series. I know I've talked a little bit about this before, but just by the raise of a hand, I'm gonna need you to interact with me today. I speak better if you interact with me. Just by a raise of hands, how many of you, you are fans of the channel HGTV? Go ahead and just raise your hands. You're a fan of HGTV, okay? And if you're a dude, it's okay. Like, hold it up boldly, okay? Like, it's awesome, all right? I'm a fan too. Okay, HGTV, all right? It is this phenomenal thing that has gone crazy in our culture, okay? There used to only be like one of them. Now there's tons of them, okay? Uh, It used to be the bigger one, right, that we all hear about is the Fixer Upper, right? And now the whole Texas world and all that. Okay, now there's Hometown. All right, I did some research this week. Now there's Love It or List It, probably my least favorite. There's Property Brothers. There's Rehab Addict. There's Flip or Flop, okay? There are so many of these shows everywhere now, okay? They're everywhere, all over the news magazines, all over the news. You're constantly seeing different projects people are working on, what they're doing, how they're doing it. You get involved into like what's it's gonna look like and here's what's amazing about these shows, okay? Here's what we all love about these shows, okay? It's all about the before and after, is it not? It's about the before and after, Right, You see some couple or two brothers and they're you know buying some you know condemned property or they're buying something. You're like, oh my word, that is just the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Or they're buying it for like 90,000 and you're like never in the Northwest, right? I mean, you watch these shows and you're like, oh my word, these places are horrific. They're disgusting. Some of these shows, you know, they, they go in and, and I think one of them, I think it might be flip or flop where sometimes they're buying a house on auction right? So they don't even get to see the house before they buy it, right? So they're buying some house at some auction for whatever amount, and then they walk in, and it was like, whoa, like there's stuff. People left their belongings. Like pe- this is people's stuff, and they didn't move out of here. But we, we all love the before and after. It's all about the transformation. It's about something that was dead, coming back to glorious life. That's what we love about it. I mean, the one that I've probably watched more than all of these is the most popular one, which is Fixer Upper, right? And years ago, they decided that the best way to bring us all in, it's brilliant, they bring us all in with these gigantic, huge signs. If you ever watched this, towards the end of the show with the reveal, it's these gigantic, I'm talking like massive, I don't know, 12, 15 feet high signs and they're on these wheels and it's the picture of the old house. And you're like, oh my word. And the people are like, oh, what's it gonna be? And the girl's always crying, right? She's like, oh my gosh, what's it gonna be? You know, and it's like, what's it gonna look like? What's the after gonna look like? And then right when you're about to go to the after, if you're not DVRing it, like me, you gotta watch all the commercials, right? i like, oh my gosh, right? And you're like, what is the after gonna look like? What did they do with that one room? What did they do? How did they actually come up? What design did she choose, right? And it's just this after transformation that blows our minds. And then, you know, after the commercials are over, you wait and you wait. And then finally they're like, okay, you bought it for this. You invested this. You were able to do this and now your house is worth this. And it's like, get rid of the pouring stuff. Show me the after. Show me the transformation. Anybody? Okay, just me. Okay, so show it to me, right? And then all of a sudden, right, it's like, and you're like, oh, the windows, oh, the the walk around porch, oh, gosh. The walk, oh, the rocking chair on the porch. Why not me? Right, it's like, it's amazing. We love it. We love seeing the nasty kitchen, the disgusting yuck, And within just a few minutes of time, the amazing transformation of that person's house that they bought. It's it's just, it's breathtaking, it is. As we dive into a series today, talking about life multiplied, using the most of what God's giving you, I want you to consider some questions here as we're moving our way towards the text. I want you to think about some questions here. And this is why I encourage you always to write down notes and take notes. Who will you be on December 31st, 2019? Who will you be? When you you go through that final hour of the new year on December 31st, 2019, who will you be? What will your life be about? What will be different About your life? Will you be closer to Jesus than you were on January 13th, 2019? Will you have read the entire Bible in 2019? Will you have served yourself or will you have served others? Will you have taken up the discipline of giving and becoming generous? Will you have more friends and have healed more relationships by the way you act? and the way you talk. And here's one, probably the most convicting for me. How many people will you personally win for Christ when the year clocks 2020? How many people will you have won for Christ in 2019? You see, Transformation TV exists because here's what it is. We all believe that our lives can become better. That is something, something can happen in our lives and we can be different. That something can change in our lives. That something can go from being dead and decay and ugly and be transformed. See, you and I, we want to live lives of purpose and meaning. And I don't believe there's a person in this room that wants to eke by barely make it, barely get through life, just suffering, barely surviving. I believe we want to live lives of meaning, of purpose, of strength, of courage. We want to live lives of fulfillment. I believe we all can agree with that here today. And here's the problem. If you didn't know already, TV isn't reality. TV transformation is not reality. Buildings that are old and condemned and left for nothing do not become transformed in 50 minutes or less. They do not. It's not a reality. It takes time. It takes thoughtful work. It takes preparation. And it is gonna take a huge amount of dedication for transformation to happen in a home. See, the amazing thing about Transformation TV is for the most part, we don't see that. I mean, sure, we see the random little five minutes, ten minute clips of when they took out the roof or when they, you know, removed all the lands or whatever. But real transformation in a home actually takes an incredible amount of discipline, an incredible amount of hard work, and an incredible amount of plan. And people pay a lot of money to watch these shows, but people pay even more money to find someone to help them with the plan to make a home like that. And yet yet you and I get to see it in 50 minutes or less. See, if we are gonna really practice this principle of dying to self today, here is what's going to take. It's going to take a lot of work. Because real transformation, real godly transformation takes a long long time. Takes a lot of dedication, takes a lot of hard work to become all that God has for our lives and all that he dreamed about us when he made us. It's going to take a tremendous amount of energy and time on our part. Will you and I follow the hard work but great news that Jesus calls us to? And here it is, very famous verse, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what, will a, or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I'm just going to read it all over again. Let's start at the beginning. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. Or what shall a man give and return for his soul? Let's pray today for God's word. God, we thank you today that you're calling us, God, to die. God, you're reminding us today that there is a principle here that if we want to truly live, if we want to truly experience godly transformation, if we want lives of purpose and meaning, God, we're gonna have to die to a lot of things in this life. And I pray today that our hearts would be open to receive the truth of your scriptures, God. That it's your word that comes alive in us. It's these writers, it's John today that's gonna show us, God, what this really means. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. See, what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I want you to be a whole person. I, I'm wanting you to be a whole person full of meaning, full of purpose, full of amazing value. It's not, this is not self-help, trying to figure out for yourself what life is really about. It's not if you do these 10 things, everything's gonna work out and go in your favor. It's not that kind of advice today. This is Jesus saying to us, to live is to die. And if you want to truly live, you have to die. You're thinking to yourself, I think to myself, die to what? Like, what am I supposed to die to? Well, there's a lot of different things. I'll just give you a few examples. If we're gonna truly live this life multiplied, we first have to die to selfishness. If I'm gonna be a person that's gonna follow God and choose to lay down my life for others, you know what that's gonna take? I'm gonna have to die to selfishness. And you know what that takes? A tremendous amount of commitment and hard work. Why? Because naturally, I'm a very selfish person. Naturally, I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it right now. But if I wanna truly live, I have to die to this. If I wanna truly live, I have to die to pride. I have to recognize... I'm not all that in a bag of potato chips, folks, okay? This guy doesn't got it all figured out, okay? Sure, it's easy on social accounts to make ourselves look like we're amazing and that our families are neatly put together. But what's the real story? And the real story is that we struggle. The real story is that we fall short of the glory of God. The real story is that we need God's grace and mercy every single day of our lives. And if I don't die to the fact that, man, I am not, I don't always get it right. I don't have it all figured out. My life is not perfect. I have to die to this pride. I have to die to this, this, this spirit of thinking that I gotta make myself look better than who I really am. When who I really am in God's eyes is more than enough. I have to die to this pride. I have to die to to wrongful desire. I have to die to sin. I have to die to instant gratification. I have to die to these things. Jesus is saying, if you want to live this godly transformation life, you want to have God at the center of your life, you want this purpose and this meaning and this hope, then you are going to have to lay down a lot of things. And the principle is that God is multiplying something when we do the right thing. Let me share a very powerful verse that everyone knows. Most people in the world know this verse, very famous verse, Jesus said it. It gets used for things all the time. Let me read it to you, John ten ten. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. One more time for you. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. Let me, let me just discuss the implications of this life abundantly just for a moment here. When we read something like this passage, John 10, 10, it's always important to understand what happened before, what's happening during, what happened after. Because this, this verse is used all the time for all sorts of things. I don't have time to get into that today. But what happened right before Jesus says this verse is there's a man that was born blind that gets healed. And the way that this man is healed is with mud that goes in his eyes. Jesus says, go put mud in your eyes and, and then go and wash and you're gonna be healed. And all of a sudden this man who had been born blind is now being able to see. And in John 9, what happens is, is now all the Jewish and religious leaders and all the Pharisees are angry. And they're like, how can this man, how can this Jesus here, this person, how can he give sight to the blind? So they don't believe the miracle happened. They start questioning this, this, this man that was born blind. He's like, you weren't blind since birth. That, that's not who you were. Where, where are your parents at? Go get your parents. They bring, bring the parents into the scene, and the parents are like, no, 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 you know, the, the, you know they're, they're sheepish. They don't want to, you know, ruffle feathers. They, well, no, no, this is our son, and he was born blind, and, and, and he can see now, but, but ask him yourself, because we don't want to get in the way of your law. It's, it's in this context and this storyline that Jesus says in John 9, 40, I don't have it on the screen, I just want you to hear this, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, And said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. 10 verse one, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But when he enters by the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger that they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Pay attention to verse six here. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, them the Pharisees, But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Verse 7 here. Then Jesus, or so Jesus again, said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Everyone say, I am the door. I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Everyone say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Here's the famous verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Everyone say, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is probably the most important part of this passage. For this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my father. Jesus is saying in verses seven through 11, he is the door. He is the door to the sheep. It's the same thing he said in John 14, another famous passage of scripture, I am the way, the truth and the life. He's reminding the sheep, people representing sheep in this story here, he's reminding you and I, that he is the door to our lives. He is saying that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and this is how you get relationship with God the Father. But he doesn't just say, you won't even just be let in. Not only am I the door, but when you come in, you're going to find pasture. I'm the door, and you're going to find this pasture. You're not just going to be saved You will come in and find pasture, meaning you will not only experience safety and refuge knowing Christ, you will not only experience salvation knowing Christ, you will find deep satisfaction in your life. To find pasture is to find God's provision, to find meaning, purpose, resolve, and hope, encouragement, and strength. What Jesus is saying is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. And when you find me, you find life but you don't just find life in the here and now, you find life in eternity and you find it even abundantly. Now let me define what this abundant life is. It is not more things or more money. That is not abundant life. This is not a verse to promote the prosperity gospel message. That is not this verse. It is about being rich in life. It is about having peace when things are chaotic. It is about having God at the center of our lives. It is about knowing Jesus fully and having a life that has meaning and value and purpose. One author wrote this. I think this is so powerful. He says, Jesus calls his followers not to a dull, lifeless, miserable existence, That squashes human potential, but to a rich, listen to these words, but to a rich, full, joyful life, one overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God and in continual fellowship with people. He says, I'm the door. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. This is how you get in. This is how you have relationship. This is how you experience life. This is how you experience this abundant life. And then he tells us how. H- how, how is he the door? How is he gonna be the good shepherd? He says in verse 18, no one takes it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. See, he's he's the door. He's the the person that we come to. He's the the door. He's the person that has opened up opportunity and relationship with God the father. He's now the good shepherd. He's He's the door. He's the good shepherd. And he's gonna lay down his life for the sheep. He's speaking right of the cross. We know this. He's speaking of the resurrection, that he's taking down his life, giving his life up for the sake of humanity's sin. He's the door, he's the good shepherd, and here's what he's charging you and I to do. See, the question is this, how do I gain this life multiplied? How? How do I gain this transformation? How do I go from death to life? How do do I go from being an old building, think of your life as a building, old, run down, broken. How do I go from that to begin the process of rebuilding my life, rebuilding what God has for me, building a foundation, building structures around my lives? How do I gain this transformation that Jesus wants me to have? How do I gain this abundant life? How do I have a life that's rich, full of meaning and purpose and value? How do I get this life, this abundant life? How do I make the most of what I've been given? You have to die. If you want to truly live, you have to first die. I would love for you to write that down today. I would love that to be on your mirror this week. I love that to be in your car as you drive. If you want to truly live, you have to first die. And Jesus is our model. What did He do? I laid down my life for the sheep. And now today in our world, I'm asking you to lay down your life for others. And when you do, you will truly live. See, I love sports. I'm a big sports guy. I watch sports, play a little sports. Never good at either one, but I still enjoy them. But one of the things I read probably about a few months ago is I had heard one coach, I can't remember his name, here's what he said. He said, all my life I've experienced so much success. He's won different um, championship, I wish I could remember his name, won different championships, won big games, had, has money, has talent, has all the things you could think you know any person would ever want. And he got all of this stuff and he, he finally realized, he said, you know, I found all of these things very empty. I found all of this stuff very lifeless. It wasn't until I realized that if I build others up and I help them win, I found meaning and satisfaction in my life. What's he saying? He's saying that when you and I pursue the things that the world thinks are important, when we put our eyes focused on the here and now and what we want, when we have that lens and we live for ourselves rather than living for others, sure, it'll last for a while. Sure, there'll probably be some seasons of of happiness and joy, but it will not last. Why? Because Jesus modeled for us real transformation happens here. It's gonna take time. This is why I'm such a big fan of reading the Bible every single day. And I love that we don't ask people to read the Bible in 30 days. What if I came up here next Sunday and go, okay, guys, new challenge, 30 days. Okay, read it all. You'd be like, dude, this guy's crazy. He's already crazy. He's even more crazy. Well, what if I said to you, guys, all right, here's what we're doing next week. Okay, we're all fasting for the entire rest of the month of January, every single day and night, only water. You'd be like, dude, I can't even do that. I have health problems. Like what? Like what? I can't do that. What if I told you that? Well, what if I said to you, okay, hey man, we need you to serve and get involved, but we need, to just, we need to own your life. Like cancer everything you have this next week and just focus everything and all your time and energy on the church, please. You'd be like, no, not possible. Quit my job to serve you? No, you don't pay me. You know what I'm saying? Like it wouldn't make sense. Why? Because real transformation, godly transformation starts small. It's tiny. It feels like you took like an inch. But this is why I like the Bible reading plan. Huge fan of it. Why? Because you read like three chapters a day and you're done. It takes 10 minutes. It's like, who doesn't have 10 minutes? And if you want to get real cool, just hit play on the app and it'll read it to you. I mean, man, really. If you're like, well, I'm not a reader. Well, I just dealt with that. Well, you can listen. I mean, it's, just, it's not hard, right? But this life multiply, getting the most of my life getting the most having this meaning and this purpose, yeah, it's going to take a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of time and dedication and a plan. Yeah, it is. But what's the one thing we can do? What's the one step we can take with our lives? I'll end with this one here. This is going to seem like bragging rights. And you're gonna be like, wow, he talked about dying to pride, but he's real prideful. That's cool. I'm gonna still talk about it. A couple of years ago, I really, really got into running. Okay, now, most people hate running, okay? Most people are like, you do running for fun? It's like, you're crazy. And it's true, I am. And I haven't gotten into it in a while, but I really got into running a couple years ago. Part of just a few people in my life that love to run and kind of encourage me to do it, but I got into it. Have you ever ran outside, ever? It hurts bad. Okay. Like, don't do it. I don't recommend it ever. Okay. It's terrible. It's awful. Your lungs hurt. You, you feel completely inadequate. You're out of shape. You're huffing and puffing. People are honking at you and laughing at you. One guy threw a slurpy at me one time. It was awesome. Okay. It's the worst thing ever to start running. The worst. Okay. And you know what the worst part of running is? The first two miles. The worst. You get past the first two miles, man. Sometimes you get a little bit of wind in your side. Like, wow, I keep doing this. I can stay crazy. A couple of years ago, I made a decision. I was like, Amanda, I'm I'm running a half marathon. I'm doing it. I'm I'm doing it. And I'm going to do the Seattle one with your sister, the hardest one on the planet. She's like, Oh no, yeah, okay, you can do it. You know, <laughs> it's awesome. Okay. You can do it. So I was like, "All right." So I gotta find this program and this training. All right, I know I'm going long today for a reason. I gotta find this program and this training. Figure out what I need to do. So I just started, you know, researching Google, Google, Google. You know, what can I find? What can I find? I finally found like, "Oh my word!" It's like a 12-week plan. It's like you get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you take your Thursday off. You get Friday, and then Saturday's your long day. And it's like three mile, three mile, three mile, three mile, break, mile two, and then and then Saturday's like four. And then the next weekend, Saturday's five. And the next weekend, you're like, oh my gosh, you're gonna say it, aren't you? Saturday was like 10. And then Saturday was like, right? And you just go and you go and you go. Godly transformation is very much like that. You do not become all that God's called you to be. You do not live a life of meaning and purpose overnight. You don't. You decide this afternoon, what am I gonna do? to please God the Father. Tomorrow morning, what am I gonna do to live a life of meaning and purpose? God, God, what, what step do I need to take in 24 hours from now? And, and it's little over little, over little bites of time. And here's what happens. You find that plan, you find what God's calling you to do. And over time, you find that dedication, you find that discipline, we'll be talking about discipline in the coming weeks, you find it and over time you look back and go, wow, I, I just ran five miles. <laughs> wow, I got, I got rid of that bad habit. Wow, that, that anchor is not coming up anymore. Wow, that, that jealousy, that pain, that I dealt that brokenness. I'm getting healing. Christ is at work in my life. His spirit's developing. I'm not that person I was anymore. I'm different. Because life with Christ is far better than without him. Let me pray for you today. God, I just thank you right now. As we approach a series like this, life multiplied. Getting the most out of of what we've been given. I thank you, God, that today it starts with having to die. If you want to truly live, if I want to truly live, then I must first die. I must take up my cross daily and follow hard after you, Jesus. And I just pray right now, just here in this moment, God, that you would show each person what do they need to die to? Yeah, it could be a a habit. Could even be a good habit, but it's distracting you away from God. So now it's a bad thing could be a situation or a circumstance, could could be a job, I don't know, but God, your Holy Spirit knows and you're revealing it right now, what it is. But not only that, God, my prayer today is that we wouldn't just look at what we need to die to, we would look at what we need to take upon ourselves to do. It's both and, Jesus. And I pray today that we would think about our lives on December 31st, 2019. Who will I be? Who will you be when the clock rings midnight on that day? What will be different? And how will God shape and direct your life and your family? We need your Holy Spirit to do it, God. I pray these things in your good name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.